0: Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the word. Enjoy today's message.
1: I want to thank everybody that's been a part of providing extra excellence in ministry. Our worship team must uh, time and again, they, they drive across the, the snow. They're kind of like the postal service. They're going to show up regardless. And that needs to be our heart toward the master in this hour or we'll fail the testing because there will be more and more and more and more things come against the body of Christ to try to slow us down or stop us. And you just have to become uh, determined in nature. I want to uh, thank Michelle Honiger for a special treat in the coffee shop this morning. Another excellent, excellent <laughs> contribution. Well, it, it's excellence, and I appreciate it. And I know that she just uh, wanted to give toward the coffee hour and provide something great. And I don't know, there's catering experience, not just cooking experience. She knows stuff. It was very good. Thank you for that. I had the first one, and I don't mind saying so. <laughs> But uh, uh, excellence in ministry, I want to thank the men that, that worked in the food pantry. If you don't know, food pantry started in my kitchen as a as single man years ago, and then it moved to the back porch because I had a bigger cupboard in the back porch, a little bitty kitchen, great big pantry in the back porch, so it moved to the back porch. And every week for the, the, the first, I suppose, eight or nine months the church was in the house, We served at the food pantry out of the closet, and the deal was if you want to bring something to give, you put it in the shelves. If you need to take something, there's bags made up, and and families took stuff. And we had a constant uh, turning around of giving and receiving going on at the same time, and all my my role was is to make sure the bags were full, so if there wasn't enough in the cupboard, I went to my cupboard in my kitchen, and I put stuff in the bag, and that's how food pantry started because I found that there were a number of people wanting to be a part of kingdom business, and they, they didn't really have the the ability to give, and they were, they were trying to figure out how to do that. So we provided uh, uh, some, some extra foodstuffs to make a difference. And it grew, and it, it moved into the, the building here eventually, the building uptown, and then the building here. And it keeps growing. Now the refrigerator in there is about the size my whole kitchen was in the farmhouse south of town. It was about a eight by 10 kitchen, and I think that's about how big that, in fact, this might be a little bit bigger than my kitchen was. I had six cupboards in the kitchen, that tells you it wasn't very big, and a refrigerator and stove, no such thing as a microwave in that farmhouse, or a garbage disposal or dishwasher, but I, I did have the basics. Now, uh, I, I appreciate the, the, the vision and the work that's gone into that, the, the, uh, j- just to mention why, it gives us the ability uh, to do a more excellent job in, in ministry. And for those that serve there, you've seen it grow and change. Basically, stuff comes in and then it goes out. So when you go in, don't expect to see a lot of food hanging around. It doesn't hang around. It goes out. But this gives us the ability to do so much more. So I want to thank Tim and Mel publicly too for for donating the the, the big outfit and uh, pastor doesn't always do this, but once in a while, i just like to say thank you to to different ones why excellence of ministry it's so much nicer to be able to do it well and to do it bigger as we go because it makes a difference and uh anyway enough said about that there's many, many areas we could talk about, but we're we're wanting to find a way in this this day and age to fit into God's plan because Our faith for God to bless our lives is connected to His plan for our lives. You know, the the question I've been asked the most in, in my years of ministry has been, what do I do when the Word doesn't seem to work? Well, I ask people, what are you doing for the Master that will make His Word work in your life? Because our actions are the seed that God acts on to produce in our lives what we do, as Pastor Paul said. So today is uh, another installment of what we're talking about in the kingdom of God, because to pass the test that the enemy is throwing at the body of Christ, we need to be in the body of Christ. To be in the body of Christ, we are living and moving and having our being in Him. It means what are we doing in our life that expresses Christ Jesus. What are we doing in in our church that expresses Christ Jesus? We talk about the, the word outreach or doing things that are outward because we need to express Christ to people on the outside, express what anointed living is and what it looks like. That is all being put to the test. Some time ago before we ever closed last year, I was talking about that several Sundays in a row, that Scripture says the earth will come into a time of testing. Well, it's not testing the non-Christian because Satan is the little G God of this world. He's who is putting tests out there. When the enemy puts tests out there, it's to try to get Christians to fail the test, and it affects our faith. Now, when you fail a test, you can repent and take the test over. It's kind of like it was in, in grade school. If you didn't study and you took the test and you failed, sometimes teacher would look across the whole class and decide, we're going to give the test again tomorrow. Or better, I remember fourth grade teacher saying, everyone's staying in for recess at noon, then we're taking the test again. And if you fail the test again, you'll have no recess for the week. Everybody studied hard, you know, it was a quick eating lunch and and, we needed to pass the test or there would be not the fun element that we all wanted in school. We need to kind of wake up to the reality that Heavenly Father expects us to pass the test to be a part of Jesus' ministry in the earth. You know, I used the example some weeks ago about the weather shouldn't detain us. It wouldn't wouldn't stop us from going to work. And when it stops us from church but not to work, maybe work is more God than Christ Jesus. I know I'm saying it in a, in a moment where oh, it may hit some people. Good. It helps us pass a test. I mean, we live in Illinois. We're going to have weather. It's going to be a part of it. You, you, you may forget my, my past job association was was COO of a company, a service company, and you went to work no matter what, and I would travel 1,500 miles regardless of the weather and drive over the Rocky Mountains, Wolf Creek Pass, in a blizzard, in a rental car with chains on it to get to my work. It's just what you do if you are committed to something. So what do we do? We have to determine in our hearts to be committed to the will of God in a world that will try to throw everything at you that it can And when you get that committed, things that seem to come at you don't affect you as much anymore. I would land in Denver, look at the radar, and say, oh, well, another blizzard on top of the mountain. I would call highway patrol and say, how many hours before you close Wolf Creek? And if I couldn't be over the the pass in six hours, I had to drive around down into New Mexico and back up another 300 miles. It's just what you did, if you want the position God has for you. It would be unthinkable for me to land in Denver and get a hotel for three days so they would clear the pass and and sit there for three days. Why? My job would be done by somebody else who got there, and I would no longer have the responsibility or the payroll that came with it. So, we have to treat the kingdom of God with the kind of importance it deserves, or we'll, pass, we'll, we'll not pass the test. A little different way of thinking, but I wanted to open with the punchline, the bottom line. The, the reality is you're not going to avoid an hour of testing because Scripture says it comes on the whole world, but in the church, we should have a different response. We should understand we're going to pass the test of the kingdom because our faith is in knowing the king. So today our, our approach to kingdom living is to understand this this season is not so much about what can we receive from God, but rather how do we love the master? How do we love him the way he wants? You know, If you're in a, a love relationship, you can love a certain way and that can be good. You can think, I'm doing my best to show love to this person or show love to my spouse or to my kids. But how they receive it is more important than how you intend to give it. What is it they're looking for? Think of, think of any, any of you with more than one child. Kids receive love and interact with you differently to get the same sense of security, and, and love and satisfaction in a relationship and you work as a parent to learn how to do that for each one of the kids so they all get the same kind of affirmation we have to consider loving Jesus his way because as we approach the day of his soon coming return it's going to be more about him and less about us and what happens when we make our lives more about him we find he's watching out for us and taking care of us. It's kind of like we, we recognize he is doing the reciprocal part of our relationship. If you're in a husband and wife relationship and you're both working and you leave and go different ways for the day, you come back and your relationship is still intact, but you've been doing entirely different things, expressions of your energy to get money, And when you come back together, it's pooled together, and you're still living in a partnership, but you've been away doing, trusting one another and loving one another and expressing your energy the way you need to at your work. But how he does it and how she does it will be totally different. And if they slur that up and mix that up, she would be teaching the pigs and he would be feeding the children. (laughs) And that would not work so well. Why? There would be confusion So we have to understand in the body of Christ we have our place that is an expression that God put in us of our love for him that takes care of his business in the earth. And we don't want to mix it up. And it's nice when when family assignments, this is about kingdom assignments today, when family assignments seem to fit together, how much easier it is than when they don't seem to fit. And I've learned something. When your assignments from God don't seem to fit, somebody's missing the real assignment. They do go together. This is Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 14. I'm just kind of jumping in and and getting right into things this morning. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. I've mentioned this. Uh, Jesus talked most about the kingdom, second most about money, and people get aggravated at both. And we shouldn't get aggravated at both or we're not really uh, surrendered to God in either one. Jesus came into Galilee, a a place he did a lot of preaching. He was there a lot. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now that word time is a, a word that we don't have in our English language to really relate to what he's talking about. We think of time and think of the clock, and the the word in in the New Testament for our clock time and calendar time is chronos, but the word here is kairos, and it means on God's planned events. So you understand God's got his own clock, and it ticks every time we obey God. And what happens if if you've got a, a good clock and you hold the hand? And, and and it's ticking, uh, thinking of our grandfather clock, it's ticking down here and the big arm and the weight's swinging and the weights are pulling things down. There's There's a little pressure on that clock because there's resistance, but that clock is going to move. Why? Time is passing with God. In other words, the way God looks at our life is there are certain things He expects us to achieve and fulfill for Him while we're here. And that's... What allows Jesus to return is the Father's will. God the Father's will is fulfilled. He wants to bring for us to bring as many as we can into heaven forever with him. And that's our job. Somehow we're connected to that and we're a part of that. That is a part of what's being tested right now. Part of what goes on in, in natural decisions and in governance and uh, different people usurping authority here and there and all over, uh, people don't recognize they're either a part of the plan of God or they are against the plan of God in this hour. And we've got to be careful in our own lives to not be against him and what he's doing, but before him. Otherwise, there's going to be this sense of pressure and you're going to feel like time is passing and you're not getting anything done. Why, there will be a sense of not being fulfilled if we're not a part of the plan of God. God's children will begin to say, why am I here in the first place? Why? Because things that we thought were important to us are going to no longer be achievable the way they used to be. Some sermons you expect people to to be happy and clap. Others you know they're not going to. I'm going to say what this year should mostly be about, the, the second kind. To really have an understanding of our commitment to God in that it's a covenant... And God has already given us the free gift and everything that he's going to give us and do for us is promised in his word for us to receive by faith. But it remains very open who will love him back the way he desires and expects to be loved. When a young couple is dating, they are looking for that commitment back and forth to one another before there's even the question of getting married. There's been an expression of commitment. There's been a show of desire. There has been expression again and again and again of of giving more than taking. That's why we use that phrase, because Jesus is coming back for what the Bible calls a glorious church, a bride without spot or wrinkle. So he's saying, today, I've already done everything I can do for you kids. Receive it by faith and live well. But then he looks at us, what, what is living well? It's living for him. It's recognizing the bottom line of our life is what we do for the master. Our expression of love back to him, and is it the way he wants to be loved? I realize today I'm preaching something, sharing something that is second nature to a pastor. You should not be a pastor. You are not called a pastor if you don't understand this principle. Because it's, it's loving Jesus back, looking for that constant expression of what, what will please the master and then relating that back to people so that we can all do more of that. Now, he said uh, the time, the kairos time is fulfilled or it's come and the kingdom of God is at hand. And he gives them three things to recognize. One, the time's come. Number two, he said Repent. Well, I will say I've, I've heard less repentance on the lips of believers in the last 20 years than I did in the first three years of my Christian life as a teenager. Because it's, it's no longer considered uh, fashionable or faith-filled to repent. But I'm going to tell you there's not a day I live that there's not a reason to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I missed it here. I missed it there. I got too busy over here. I was distracted over here. And that's part of a viable relationship is to communicate when things are less than optimal so that the other party knows what optimal is. Why? I recognize, Lord, I, I could have done better today. That prepares our heart to love Jesus his way. So he said there's, there's repentance. And then he said, and believe the gospel. I don't believe we can embrace believing what we're supposed to unless repentance is a part of our life. Tenderness is a part of our life. When he says believe the gospel, it means everything that Jesus has done for us is available and we can receive it. But notice he put repentance right before that. There's a tenderness involved. You know, today as I minister, and I, I recognize probably a number of people listening online, this is about finding our place in the body of Christ and not expecting God to come booming with the bass drum and announcing what it is. We're to love him in a way that we dig our heels in to find out, Lord, what is it you want me to do for you in this season of my life? What is it that, that will please you the most right now? Ever uh, approach your spouse when they're bewildered and they're, I'll say they're up to their gillies and too much to do? The best thing that you can do is know what to do and be doing it. The second best is to not know and ask immediately what will help you the most in this moment. Think of it this way, when all of the kids were little and you invited the boss and his wife over for dinner and it's not ready, everything's running late and the house hasn't been vacuumed and you show up at home and want to take your shower, but your spouse has not had her shower yet. What do you do? You love them the way they need to be loved in the moment. And we're supposed to know how to do that. We need to recognize what time it is with God. The kingdom of God has come. What does that mean? God's clock's ticking why it's to our advantage that his clock is ticking because it means jesus sees if the heavenly father sees things in the earth are going the way of antichrist and he's saying but for my children they're not going to go down they're going to go up and he recognizes it's that time now there's a threefold working of the holy spirit in this to know what time it is to seek out our heart for for where we we may be missing god I mean, I, I would say sometimes it's as simple as defying the conditions outside and getting in the car. Sometimes it is, "I don't feel like praying, but I'm going to anyway." Sometimes it is, "I don't have the energy to lead devotional at the table, but I'm going to do it anyway." And we just determined to do it because our commitment, our love commitment to the master, outweighs any circumstance in our life. It's another way we put him first. The test of putting him first is never when it's easy. It's always when it's not. That's the test. Now, the Holy Spirit will lead us in the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. We've talked about this a little bit, but I've to touched on it again. Jesus answered his, his disciples and he said, and he's talking to Nicodemus particularly here. Except a man be born again, he cannot perceive, see or perceive the kingdom of God. We need to understand we do have the ability to see as soon as Jesus comes to live in our heart. It is not a hard thing. It's an easy thing to say, Lord, what would please you? How can I fit my life into your kingdom? We have the right and the ability to see that much that quickly. That's easy. But then there's a piece that takes a little bit of something more in verse 5. Jesus answered, said again, verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water or born again and born of the Spirit. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is living on the inside. The Holy Spirit is our our teacher and our guide. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So they're seeing, I know something I could do for the master. Why can't I do it? Because we don't have enough of Holy Spirit working in us. That's why I share and I've said of this year, this would be the year to stay full of the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? There are many ways. fellowshipping with the Master in worship. fellowshipping in the Word. Praying in your prayer language. Communicating, communing with God. Spending time every day saying, I am spiritual before i am natural i am connected to god more than i'm connected to this world he is my source this world is not he is my lead this world is not he is my future this world is not and we start to to renew our mind that he is in charge and it's to our advantage and he's going to speak to our hearts and we begin to move from perceiving to entering Scripture calls it this way, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. That's one of the ways we enter. Don't just talk about engaging in prayer, but literally learn how to pray. Don't just hear about the Holy Spirit leading us to all truth, but ask him to be doing that. Show me what to do about this. So there's a difference between perceiving, it's an awful thing to not perceive, But it's a better thing, much better thing to enter in. This would be a a time to enter in like no other. The world is out. The spirit that is behind things going on in the world is out to distract every kind of way. If you're not careful, information will outweigh truth in your life and you'll be pulled too many other directions and they will all take you away from God. There are things in the past that seemed innocuous or okay or harmless that are no longer harmless in this hour. When you add up at the end of the day or the end of the week, what was my week about? If it isn't first about pleasing Christ, I'd step back and say, Lord, help me change my ways. Or I can say that that was most on my mind, pleasing you. See, if you go through the week that way, come Sunday, your clothes will be laid out and the car will be gassed up and you'll be ready to come no matter if the earth opens up to swallow houses. You will show up at church. Why? Your car will fly over a gorge if there's one in central Illinois and there's not. So it should be pretty easy. Now, there is a dual manifestation of the kingdom. There are two primary ways the kingdom of God manifests in our lifetime. One is corporate. What he does in the mix. That comes first with him. Our little personal thing does not come first with God. Jesus set the church in motion to be the full expression of the goodness of God in the earth. That means when we come together, we will do more that will please him than we can any other way or on our own. And once we plug into what that is, the personal things begin to unlock. I've heard most Christians in my lifetime get that backward. They are more interested about what they should personally do than finding their fit with the rest of the body of Christ. Until you find your fit in the body of Christ, you don't know how to submit to the master enough to get a personal mission. It comes, the training for that comes in fitting together in a local church, working with other people, dying to yourself and letting others... Uh, maybe take ascendancy maybe maybe take the lead learning how to serve is what jesus said so if you're going to be a leader in the body of christ you're going to serve 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 so i talk about here serving is the the gateway to any kind of leadership we just start doing the things that it takes to to please god in in ministry and i've watched over and over again when people struggle to get a personal mission they can fast and pray and cry out do everything imaginable. If they're not connected to the body of Christ, they will pick something rather than hear from heaven. It's better to hear from heaven. So when we're wanting to convert our our personal life to be more pleasing to God, your corporate life first is more pleasing to God. Understand that's why he set some in the body of Christ to lead in the body of Christ. I'm not anointed all the time, and I'm not anointed to do everything. I'm only anointed a little bit of the time. When is it? When I am to lead in the body of Christ, I'm anointed to lead in the body of Christ. What does that mean? The rest of the time I have to step back and say, okay, God, I just need to do what it is that pleases you based on your word and trust that it's right. Trust that it's good enough. Then there are moments when I get up, I'm anointed to represent Christ Jesus. And I know it and I know that it's him bringing it and not me bringing it. And when I get up to minister, it will be that or I will not get up. That's just how it works with me. I have to represent the master to you in the purest form that I can. That's why sometimes it isn't about clapping. I mean, I, I, I've never seen the disciples got clappy and excited yet. They were usually going, what? What are you talking about? Tell me that again. What do you mean by that, Jesus? You're telling us in a weird parable thing. What do you mean? And regarding the kingdom, they kept saying, when is your kingdom coming? Where, what will it look like? Where will it be located they were looking for a city like Abraham was looking for a city, and they just kept not getting it. And Jesus kept saying, uh, you, you need to pay attention so you can enter. You need to pay attention so you can see. And we have to understand the disciples' challenge. Today's about a disciples' challenge. You can't really enter into the kingdom of God without committing to be his disciple. Committing to be his disciple starts Corporately. That's why it should almost be like a tutorial is going on all the time, that you should be discipled by someone who knows more than you do, and you should be helping someone who knows less than you do. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's God's way of teaching and training and anointing his people. And much of what we do for God rubs off from another person. That's what it's meant to do. You know, it's, it's ironic to me, interesting to me, really, that at a time when God is wanting this, the devil's trying to keep people apart. That's why I can clearly say that wasn't God's plan. God didn't do any of that. He's not in any of that. He doesn't want any of that. That's not his plan. That's the devil testing. Can I stop Christians with fear or with whatever? It's not a new tactic. It's an old tactic. It's just a way that's gained a lot of latitude because more people are moved by fear than faith these days. Now, Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, don't look here and there to find the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is already within you. I believe within those who commit to this church to be here when we're here is the whole scope of ministry to be done. I don't worry and fret over the things that we can't get done because it's all about who commits to be here and what scale things can be done. So I don't live an unfulfilled life. Why? I'm fulfilled in my own heart to bring what God says to bring and then see who connects with it. Why? It's not my responsibility to chase down people to serve in the kingdom of God. It's our responsibility to say, God, where's my connect? And then you'll direct me. And if we understand putting him first means this, then our personal life, our job, our career, our house, or whatever it is that we need begins to come into place. Why? God's anointing comes from the top down. It comes from the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his head is upheld by his church, his body. And when the body is fitly joined together and working all the parts of the body, watch out for and take care of each other. And he's not talking about just natural things. He's talking about spiritually we find a fit and we're fulfilled. This world will be more and more and more about taking away fulfillment and trying to create this oneness, this false kind of unity that the spirit of this world is out to achieve by taking away personal expression of worship to God. Well, that's what's happening if you don't know. So what do we do? We say, okay, God, you have a counter to what's going wrong in the world, and it's called your kingdom, and your kingdom has an anointing on it greater than the power that the enemy has. And we find out what that is. And we find at first Not, it's not going to work the way people, well, I just take care of me and mine, God. Show us our family mission. Your family mission is in submission to his mission. Otherwise, it didn't come from him. It will support what he's wanting to do in a bigger picture. That's how it works. That's how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God is organized and orderly, it does not have chaos in it. So, God said it's going to take more than a family unit to create an expression of the fullness of God. It's going to take a body, it's not a community, it's not even really a family. It is a body. It is pieces and parts put together where my hand can speak, but it will use my mouth to speak. It does not have an orifice. Yet what my hand wants to do can be said by my mouth. Where my feet need to go is relayed from my brain. It's going to go down into my feet, and I'm going to start moving. And I don't have to give a lot of thought to that. But when the body is not put together and there's no feet, good luck in moving because it's not going to want to go. Or if there's something between the brain and the feet where the signal is broken and there's a nervous condition there, the feet are going to hesitate before they move and you might have to mechanically get them started with some crutches or something. So you see, he's wanting the body of Christ to come together supernaturally. And we don't always figure that out on our own. I, in no way, my life in no way represents what I thought it would have 50 years ago or even 40 years ago. It took expression after that in what God wanted. And what God wanted, I could not have predicted and I did not see in the hourglass. I didn't see these things coming. I would have said, that is not me. That is somebody else that looks kind of like me. That cannot be what God expects from me. Finding our place in the body of Christ will bring definition to our life. Finding our place in God's plan will open the doors that no man can shut because he will open them. See, when we pray that prayer, we have to understand there's a precondition called surrender. There's a precondition that says, I know what time it is with God, and I have cleared my heart by repentance, and I am looking for the Holy Spirit to speak into my life what it is to do, and I'm going to go do it now. So there's this in our midst body of christ manifestation i call it a corporate manifestation what does god want to do here then when we get our place in that there is what's god going to do through me personally and between those we find a a place to fit that brings fulfillment and i'm going to warn you again the spirit of this world the enemy of god is out to rob the people of God, really rob people in general, of their sense of self-expression, of their sense of what it is to be fulfilled, of their sense of what it is to be satisfied in this life, and take away the ability to be satisfied or feel comfortable in anything. The enemy is out to do that. So how do we displace the work of the enemy? We say, I'm going to be comfortable in God. I'm going to know my place. I'm going to know the reason that he's got me here. And I'm going to give some effort to that. So at the end of the day, I will have pleased God no matter what else is going on around me. And I will have a sense of being fulfilled and faith-filled. What are we doing? We're, 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 We're taking the cataracts off of our eternal vision so we can see again. The spirit of this world tries to keep us from seeing. I talked about that last week. He's opening our eyes so we can see I want to spend the rest of my time today in Luke chapter 9. I've got plenty of time. We'll, we'll be done and you'll be out of here. The snow's not really supposed to start in earnest in Roberts till 1130. I watched it since 3 o'clock this morning and kept checking the hourly, hourly for a whole bunch of zip codes all around. And you made it here so every, anybody can make it. When, when she makes it from north and east to the uttermost end of Illinois, you can make it to church. That is the truth. Disciples have to learn how to adjust to kingdom priorities. What has happened is God is usurping kingdom authority, kingdom priorities upon you because of what time it is. He's saying, everybody, it's time. It's time to get with the program of God. That's what he's saying. All other voices in the earth are going to say, everybody, it's time to get with this agenda, that agenda, this agenda, that agenda. Be careful. They're not God's agenda. When you focus on God's agenda, you get his anointing. You get his help for you getting the promises. You get stability in your future. You get a promise of God for your children that the world cannot take away. You have an assurance that the grandkids are going to be all right if you go to heaven and they're still here. You get assurances that God, is, God has got us in his hand because we've jumped into his hand. We've jumped into his plan. I get really annoyed when I hear people say, oh, God's got this. Oh, no. No. He doesn't have this until he has us. When he has us where he needs us, he can take charge of some of this. But what's the outcome he wants? He wants his family to grow. He wants people to come into the kingdom. And that doesn't just mean get born again. That means to live in a way that is pleasing to him so that he can take care of us. It would be like undue exodus happening again. God was preparing to take his people out of Egypt into the promised land. He's preparing to take his people out of the earth into the heaven, the ultimate promised land. So what do we do? We, we engage with what the master is up to because he's going to do his thing. See, he's not going to delay because we want him to. He's going to do his thing Now. This is Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57, and we'll spend time in in 9 and a little bit of 10, and then we'll be done. And it came to pass, as they went in the way, Jesus and his disciples, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a great thing to say. I'm sure on the surface, Jesus thinking, cool, we got another disciple. But the minute you say something like that to the master, the devil will test it. The minute you leave church today, say, I want to hook up with God's plan, he will try to, dis- the enemy will try to distract you. You will think, what is wrong with my kids? How could the devil be messing with my kids, getting them all aggravated? Why? <laughs> the devil can't get in anybody to stop you from the plan of God. For short term, why well, can't stay? He's just stirring up trouble. You ever had that happen in your family? It just seemed like everything broke loose, I won't even say the words. <laughs> it all seemed to break loose. Think, what in the world have I done? You probably prayed right. You probably committed something to the master. You were thinking in your heart, I want this week to be a great week where I can just do something extra for the Lord. And the first three days of the week are anything but great. And you think, okay, I might as well just give up now and and stop trying. That's exactly failing the test. Because the test has endurance in it. He who endures to the end will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from all of that chaos. Saved out of that mess into something that is valuable. When do families learn the most? When we sort out of mess and come out of the mess. We're not doing that again. Ever said that to your kids? It was really a mom and daddy problem. You said, we are not doing that again. You are announcing it will not happen again. What are you doing? You're putting a seal on what you have learned. We need to come out of last year and into this year with that mindset. We've learned some things. We've learned what matters more than, than other things. It came to pass, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He says, oh, poor Jesus didn't have a home. Jesus had a home. What's he saying? He's saying, if we are going to serve the master as his disciples, our focus will not be on our securities. Where we live and what we have and how comfortable we are. Why, Jesus always had a place to stay. Jesus went, he, he trained his disciples when they went out, go from home to home and the people will take care of you. Go into cities that want you and when they don't, shake the dust off your feet and don't go back. He gave them, he gave them some specifics and he said, you don't need to carry anything with you. Why? People are, people are going to be raised up by God to do their part to take care of things. He had a plan. He had a plan that would, would cause people to depend on God. But he's saying here that there's, our kingdom assignment does not revolve around the activities of this world. That doesn't mean you don't need to work or have money coming in, have a cash flow, and have a budget, and have a plan. Of course you do. But our life is not first about that. That comes after we know the plan of God. We go, okay, God, I'm giving you my first attention, and you're going to sanctify all this activity I'm doing. You're going to cause my business to prosper more than I could if I gave it all of my attention. Why? He gets your first 10% attention. He gets the first, what is, that's part of what Sunday is to be about is, is giving him our first focus so that we can then have our eyes tuned in to when he enters into our work and we see him doing something. Sometimes people say, how do you know the opportunity of God? You give him your first and he opens your eyes to the rest. It's a principle that we don't get away from if we're going to live in the kingdom. We do it his way, and he opens our eyes to his possibilities. He opens our eyes to his opportunity and his open door. He opens our eyes to the enemy being held back and held out of the way while we continue with our day. We begin to see the kingdom, and we couldn't see it before because we entered in. See, there's a whole different way of living that preachers better tap into or they were never called in the first place. But I've learned something. It's the life of a disciple. It's not the life of a preacher. Just a preacher supposed to be able to relate it to everybody else, say, this is a discipline you can choose. Sometimes people will not. Many in our life have chosen other gods before God. I recognize that and see that. But we should be wrestling with the idea to recognize there's a whole lot of things trying to take our attention away from giving him our first because when you give him your first, he calls it your best. I've heard people say, oh, give God your best. Your best is first. It's giving him first. He sanctifies that and that's best. And then what happens is the best anointing gets on the rest and he blesses it. Why? Because we did what we were supposed to. Now that has to do with our affection in our attention. I know people that tithe that have no affection for the master. They've not learned to love him his way. It's mechanical. I will do this. And in my mechanical expression, God will honor it. No, he's looking to the heart and not the automaton. Not the, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be obedient, obedient, obedient. No, there, there's another word attached with obedience called willingness. And willingness means I have located in my heart a motivation to do this that is honoring why it's all about honor in the kingdom of God it's all about loving him his way or we don't see and we can't enter I will say what the Lord said three years ago I did a series I remember seven weeks long about open doors and opportunities coming from the master and I talked about God wanting to do that for his people his his doing that is a done deal with a believer Our seeing and entering is another matter. That's what the devil tries to stop. Now, there is a a, a corporate view on that, and there is a personal view on that. Our securities. If I just look around and say, oh, well, our our giving is at this level, so this is what we're going to do based on the giving level. That's not obeying God. That sounds intelligent. Intelligent. Well, that's how you do a household budget. We've got this much coming in. We've got to not spend more than we've got coming in. But in the kingdom of God, you hear from heaven, Lord, what do you want us to do? How are we supposed to do that? Then we look around, what's that going to cost? See, the, the two don't seem to fit. What? God will always ask you in kingdom terms to do something bigger than you. So then people say, well, why is, why is pastor saying we need to do this? Because God will ask for something bigger Than me and you. He will never give the pastor the ability to do ministry on his own. In fact, when when, if he gives ministry to the pastor, the pastor will kind of laugh back and say, "And you want us to do that? How?" (laughs) Ever had uh, uh, something come up in your household? Let's say uh, 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 one of your kids is turning sixteen pretty soon, and with that comes the desire for wheels. It's just going to happen. And if it is a boy child, it's like three times intensified, I think. Why? Because probably dads let them race around a little bit when mom wasn't watching. See, I'm seeing almost most of the dads or some of them are like, I'm not gonna, I'm not budging <laughs> at that pastor. But there's this expectation and there's this desire and there's this, this wanting to see it fulfilled because there's an expectation there. And when you've got a little bit of seed money to help with the car, and you're saying, you know, I've got this much. When you can match it, I'll release it. And, but I don't have that much, Dad. I got $500. You're saying I got to have $1,000, and you'll give me $1,000. Well, well, what do I say? Well, you just need to get that extra $500, son. All of a sudden, something changes in that, son. They want to charge for everything they're doing around the house, for one thing, okay? <laughs> Another thing is they, they'll find more things to do. They might call grandma, do you need your grass cut? What got into him while well, he's wanting a car? Oh, that explains it. Why? Because most always we've got a motive attached to our adjusting. So we need to understand Jesus is looking for us to adjust without the motive satisfying us. To adjust a motive that would satisfy him, what is it that he wants? What is it that's a mark of maturity it's not about me adjusting my behavior so I can have something more from the master it's me adjusting my behavior because I just know that's what he wants from me thank you and he said to another follow me but he said Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father Jesus said unto him let the dead bury their dead and you go and preach the kingdom of God that's sounds kind of harsh you know forget the funeral just get going What's he saying here? He's saying our kingdom assignment has priority over natural obligations. You might have a, a, a plan or an obligation that interferes with God's plan for you. Why well, it will happen to you. Lucinda and I are living proof of God interrupting our plans again and again and again. Why we're supposed to occupy till he comes. Well, when you occupy in, in this world, that's what the scripture says. You make a plan. You start working a plan. And then he says, and I want this from you. Tap. And he taps her shoulder he said, that doesn't fit with anything. And he said, that couldn't be God. He wouldn't interrupt my lovely plan. He wouldn't disturb our success. He wouldn't initiate something new in our, our savings plan or our, our whatever, everything that we're, oh, really? It's what he does to see if we're going to love him his way. It's what he does to see if he's really got our heart. And it always hurts a little. If you're serving, the Lord's not had a little sacrifice in it, you haven't served him yet. There's an element of that. There's an element of but God. And then you either choose faith or you run from it in fear. I've done both. There have been times I said, hmm. I'm not even going to say that it smells like God. It doesn't. It smells like something else. Fishy to me. Can't can't be can't fit. He's saying hello. Well, he has something in mind to shift our life on a focus more on him. The blessed. Well, that's a preacher. No, that's everybody. Now, why well, This was another that said, and Jesus said, "No, go and preach." What's he saying? Find your expression of the love of God and get after it. That's what he was saying to this man. Go and share the gospel. What was the gospel? Jesus came that we might be saved, that we might be healed, that we might be delivered, that we might be set free of anything the enemy has thrown our direction and take us to heaven as our home. And while we're here to be his disciples so that we can walk in fellowship with him, doing his work in the earth. And Jesus was saying, just take that message out. Go and help grow the kingdom. Now, I don't know how you're going to do that. I have discovered how he wants me to do that. Many are not called to a, a, a public place to do it or, or in front of people to talk about it. It isn't enough to talk about it. The preacher gets to live it too. Everybody gets to live it. Why? This is a time to focus on the master and we'll have a sense of satisfaction. We'll maintain a sense of security. Why? We say our security is in God, but many place their security in this world. What if We better start lining up with what he says will satisfy. Now, there's, a, there's a, a corporate picture there, natural situation today. Oh, it's hard for people to get in, and we, we can stream it. I can call the guys, and we'll show up with the worship team, and we'll stream the service. That'll be easier on the people. That would have been an utter failure. Why? That doesn't honor the Lord as much as, oh, pastor said two weeks ago when the weather's bad. We just we need to prepare. Well, was I, yesterday, I clicked Weather Channel half a dozen times. Have changed it? Well, it showed this little purple streak, and it was wobbling up and down and up and down. And somebody I said, "You know, that's all subject to change, but what we do for the Lord is not. And what I do? I went up, made sure I had clothes. I thought, what if the power goes out, I got some clean clothes and got my boots out and ready, and had three different pairs of boots out, depending on how much it snowed. didn't snow much. Well, I was prepared for a foot or two feet if it had to be. Why? I think that's how determined we have to be. And it's one of the easiest little things to set our mind up to think right anyhow. Then there's there's personal things that will come up too. That it won't always be convenient to serve the Lord. You're about to enter into a time as the body of Christ where it will not be popular or convenient to really serve the Lord. We have to be prepared to enter that time with joy and thanksgiving in our heart, not be talked out of our our mission and our job. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. See, all these people are popping up saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. And Jesus is like almost talking them all out of it. What does that say? That says there's going to be a lot of things happen to talk you out of following Jesus the way he wants to be followed. What the expression of love is that he wants to live through you now. Another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go tell everybody goodbye, which are at my house, in my home. And Jesus said to him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh again. See, so many times people will put family before the plan of God, and I'm telling you, Jesus said it's backwards. Say, God, you have a plan for our family that puts you first, and you're going to take care of this. You're going to do you're going to have more ability to take good care of my family if I surrender fully to you than ever if I put them before you. Now that's not a popular gospel today. But Jesus preached it. Do you see that? Pastor's going to focus on Jesus words why? If you don't like him, you don't like the master. It does not have much to do with me, see? I'm just his messenger. And you got to remember I work for him before I work for you. I work for him in a way that he brings the best to you. That's what he's after, you see. That's what he wants. So our kingdom assignment requires a focused faithfulness. It will affect your house. You will be tempted to put family problems before taking care of business on the Sabbath for the master. Better be careful what you put in first place. This is the master saying, that takes some getting used to. So I don't know about that. I've heard a lot of preachers say otherwise. What scriptures did they use? Who are they quoting? What great philosopher or world leader are they talking about other than Christ Jesus? I'd ask you, where would they get their information? What master are they answering to? See, Jesus wants us to trust him in the things that are closest to us. When it comes to folks around here, I think family's a really big one. It's supposed to be. Money, another really big one. Time, the newest really big one. Why? All those three areas are going to be bombarded because we are here. If we don't keep him, God, over all of that, the enemy's going to get into all of that. Now, we're about done. The translators divided a chapter here, but Jesus didn't stop talking and say, and now we're starting another subject. So in chapter 10, verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed another 70 besides the disciples that were with him, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would go. Understand what God's after right now is that you are the one announcing Jesus where he wants to go. You are showing what his life looks like. You are speaking his language and his words. You are demonstrating his love. You are his example in the earth. And when you bring it, he will come behind you and he will deliver. That's why I said, pray for the sick and they will recover. Why? We do the praying, he does the recovering. We do the introduction, he does the saving. We do the, the promising deliverance and he removes the devil out of their situation. We point to God's faithfulness, and he's the one who's faithful. Why? We're pointing to our hero, the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand what Jesus wants to be in this hour. He wants to be the superhero of the world, not Spider-Man or Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever, all the gazillions. Has it ever dawned on anybody but me that Marvel is this huge... I mean, did you get a comic book before as a kid? Every so often the barber would give me, Robert's barber, would give me a comic book, because it's the only place I ever saw him, other than the funny, funny papers we called it in the newspaper. And I'd be looking at the, the comic book and he'd see me get so excited. I said, Why don't you just take that home? You can take that home, buddy, if you want to have. Oh, I want that. And I'd lay in my bed and imagine what it was like to be a superhero or just to know one. We have the king of superheroes. See, we've got to start thinking in a kingdom way. The king of kings. He's also the Lord of lords. When we need him to be king, if we've honored him as Lord, we'll see the king. We'll see him stamp down that diadem and say, excuse me, Satan, be gone. Why? Because we've honored the king. Now, therefore, he said unto them the the harvest... Is great and the laborers are few. What was Jesus after all this time? Pray that the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers unto the harvest. It's talking about responsibility. I'm not here to create a big sign-in list today or campaign for all the jobs that need to be done around the church or anything like that. I'm out to make you aware that should be your campaign. That's not my campaign what I see most Christians do is they've made their Christianity a passive thing or a recreational thing if this is what we do to just do a God thing we're missing everything he wants this to be the head of the year the head of our life the lead in our thinking is what can I do for the master while I'm here I believe that that engenders in us better decisions, a healthier lifestyle, we start moving in the direction we need to be going because he's saying, I'm going to preserve that life. They've yielded to me. See, so many times I hear people praying, 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 and praying for all the benefits. The benefits come with the responsibility. I'll say it this way. They can't come as a result of accepting responsibility. And then the rewards that come from the kingdom of God come after faithfulness to that responsibility under fire, under test, to give the master what he wants, profit to his kingdom. And I'm not talking about dollar signs. I'm talking about souls coming into the kingdom. I'm talking about people coming back to Jesus that just are Christian in label. And there's none of the goods there anymore because they've pulled back saying, I don't want to give him my life. I just want to get into heaven. Well, they can have that if that's all they want, but it's our job to show there is more. And this life will become increasingly disconnected, discontented place to live if we've known Christ and pulled back. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and pulled back, there are a lot of people like that. He says, I'll have no pleasure in you is what he said there, and you'll have no pleasure in him. So when, when we don't take pleasure in loving the master, We can't expect the benefits of experiencing his pleasure. People have portrayed a false salvation in many ways. Oh, you just kinda slide into first base and make a little dust and get saved, and you're good to go. You'll get to heaven, but not not in the way God intends. What would it be you have to steal the basis? Rather than the Holy Spirit move to bring you in. See, I understand the corporate picture. I, I believe God's wanting to load up the bases and set things up in the body of Christ. So in this, I'll call it the final inning or two. Maybe there's two. Maybe there's one. The score right now in the nation is divided. I believe the score in the modern day church is divided or separated and there's those who will do for the master and those who will just not because who is our God so that's what's coming to the surface I believe we're in a time where it's, it's important to connect with the Holy Spirit in prayer and let him make some adjustments let him make some adjustments that that honor the Lord in a way that we've not before We will in time have a a better system to get connected, but I want to say something. The corporate responsibility that we accept releases the personal anointing into our life for the personal decisions to work. If you're wanting your business to be blessed, you're wanting a promotion at work, you're wanting the house, the car, the whatever, that we, we, we pray to, so we, we can pray for people to receive that. I've seen God do amazing things and there's an anointing on our lives for that. Lucinda and I both carry that. But it's always tied to the same thing. What are you doing for the master? Because that sets us up to receive. I'll say it this way, the more I know I'm doing right for the master, the more my faith is strong. And I know when I pray, the prayers come out a little bolder. Amen. They come out, well, I'm not earning anything, but there's something happening. I'm pleasing him. Right. And when I know I've pleased him even a little bit, there's an increase of faith and boldness. There is a greater outward expression. Think of it this way. You have friends show up on a day that has not been from heaven and nothing has gone in the way that you wanted it to, and it's four o'clock in the afternoon, and everybody's piling in the house, and there's no supper started. This sounds like a woman's snare, it is. Okay, <laughs> whoever's staying home that day, and things are just, the, the laundry's piled up on the couch, and it did not get folded, and the floor did not get vacuumed. Nothing got done on your list, and you wonder, where did the day go? Somebody comes knocking on the door to visit. Do you let them in? Do you be real? Do you what do you do with that? Well, it depends who it is, Pastor. I know. Imagine if it's Christ Jesus. We we think about that then what a difference when everything did go according to Hoyle and everything's wonderful. I don't know if you have more days like that than we do where everything's just everything works. Everything is wonderful. And the house is is all in order and there's, you know. Thank you for laughing. Thank you, thank you. Why? It's common plight. Really? Who gets that? Yet we want to think that's what life is about? See, why do we measure according to circumstances rather than what we actually did for the Master? Because remember, the kingdom of God is an unseen realm. You're not going to be able to look across the horizon of what got done today and measure the kingdom. You're going to know, did I put him first? Did I honor him most? If I did, I have been a success today, and I will be fulfilled. And when, when somebody comes in and says, what's for supper? You can say, whatever you make, I've had to serve the Lord today. And everyone goes, oh. Well, that's hard to argue with, isn't it? See, there, there's a kingdom way that sets us up to succeed. And I'm going to say what success is. We need to feel good about our relationship with the master we need to feel good about our relationship with one another we need to recognize that so much of our life maybe is uh, 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 i'll say it this way the big old southern houses they have a center house it's usually older than the rest the plantation houses many of them are built like this square big house we got a lot of those around here but a lot of them did, didn't grow after that Big square house, plantation house. When I have people come from other parts of the country to visit, they go, wow, you've got plantation houses everywhere. I said, that's just a square farmhouse. No, it's not. That's a plantation house. Well, I never thought about that. I say, it's a farmhouse. Well, that's what a farm kind of is, okay? Anyway, square house. Imagine the square house built on the rock like Jesus said to do. But then the next generation or, or a little bit later in life, they put a kitchen wing over here and an extra family room over here and a man cave up there and excavated the basement for more kids space so you could like put them in the dungeon so it'd be quiet when you want them to. All the things people do. But imagine that the wings of that house were built on the sand when the storm came. What's going to be left? Understand that is a picture by the Holy Ghost of what's happening right now. Or people have to, rec- we have to recognize as the body of Christ, wait a minute, is his foundation under all of me and what I'm doing, or just my core? Well, I believe your core is intact, you're here, you're hearing, you're desiring, but we have to do, say, Lord Jesus, help me make firm the foundation under everything else, or let's just go ahead and cut it off the house and start over and rebuild. There'll be elements of our life like that. Well, Heavenly Father, we give you honor in this place today. We ask you to work in us the work of your Holy Spirit that only you can do so that we can see your kingdom in our life and so we can enter in to the fellowship of that kingdom. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've not left us behind in a a season of crisis and difficulty, but you are leading us forward and you expect us to be the leaders of many coming out of trouble into your kingdom. Heavenly Father, you're anointing us in this season to lead in life under a kingly and priestly anointing to know the difference between up and down, to know the difference between right and wrong, to line up with you and what's right, and to cut off anything that's wrong. Heavenly Father, you're gonna help us demonstrate your son, the Lord Jesus, in the earth. That anointing on Jesus is that anointing in me. That anointing on you is that anointing on me to live well for your kingdom. And Heavenly Father, I speak out your protection and your provision and your healing power, your divine direction in every simple decision. Father, a refurbishment of our lives inside and out, that, Father, we have more to look forward to than ever before because we're looking to your kingdom first and will not look first to the kingdoms of this world. Heavenly Father, our focus is on you, and we call people alongside that belong in your service, that belong in your family, that belong in your house, that belong in Christian fellowship in our families, and in our houses, and in our towns. Father, let it be as though all of the sudden... In the fog that has descended, the lighthouses all light the flame again. And let us live big for you, demonstrating Jesus, speaking well of you in the earth, for this is the year we will most certainly have those things that we say. So, Father, we thank you for our covenant. It is unbreakable, it is strong, and it is always to our advantage to honor you and put you first. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go LWC.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.